The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast. You won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels. Only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. and welcome to another fantastic episode of Smack My Pitch Up. I am your host, Mike the Hobbit, the founder of the Geeks Under the Influence Network, and I'm here to bring you the latest and greatest in reboots, remakes, reimagining sequels, sidequels, mashups, and adaptations of some of your favorite and also lesser-known films and TV shows. Basically, the way this works is we come up with both uh, interesting and, and possibly doable remakes and reimaginings, for something, and uh, then we also come up with really weird takes on how we would possibly do it. Stuff that may not actually work. <laughs> That's the best. Yeah, it's more just like a, a study in film almost to a degree. Just t- talking about the different styles of directors and different tones and, and different uh, genres that you can play around with in this space. We love movies. We love properties like these things. Absolutely. But, you know, being able to kind of like, what if is so much goddamn fun. It's absolutely a blast. And we've had so much fun over the, well, over a year now we've been doing right. this. Just coming up with weird takes on how yeah. to do these things. We've had, you know, John Waters do a He-Man movie. We've had, uh, uh, we've had Tarantino do a few things. Right. <laughs> over the time. And uh, it's, it's always interesting to just kind of figure out what would that look like? The last time I was on, we did big. And that was yes. super fun. That was super fun. And I remember, I, I couldn't remember... I, we, I knew we did the James Bond one, which, mm-hmm. was a, which was awesome. And I was like, I think I've been on another one. It was The Princess Bride. It was The Princess Bride. And That's I right. couldn't remember it at the time because my brain is soft. <laughs> <laughs> you know, too much content. But I'm super stoked about what we're doing today. Yes, this is a cult classic that you may or may not be familiar with. I am deeply familiar as this is one of those films that I watched on repeat when I was younger. Yes. This is from uh, 1987, and it starred Martin Short being Martin Short, basically. Like, yeah. he, he, had, he has one mode, pretty much. He really does. Yeah. And I'm fine with him being typecast as Martin Short, because I fucking love that guy. Oh, he's fantastic. Uh, he was in Pure Luck, which is probably one of the, my favorite comedic turns of uh, Danny Glover. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, being like the hard-boiled dude, and that movie was... We laughed our asses off as kids to everything about that movie. There's something to be said about the actors in comedies that aren't actually comedic actors for the most part, but they play it kind of straight. Mm-hmm. And that's what actually makes it funny. An example is with the original like Naked Gun movies and Police Squad. Part of the reason why that was so good is, is uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen played it, or Airplane, where he played it straight. He didn't, yeah. he wasn't being goofy like a Mr. Magoo. He was just doing it like this is a completely serious situation that's clearly not. That's what made it so good. Yeah, absolutely. And he was, 
you know, for decades before that, he was a serious, like, dramatic actor. Yeah. And to see him in those roles completely changed the context of him. And actually, unfortunately, typecast him, and he just did silly, like, goofy comedies for the rest of his career. Now, there is uh, one actor that I have cast on my actual take that is using that same kind of thought process of just a, a serious actor that normally has serious or intense roles. Yeah. But in the context, playing it that way, playing it serious, playing it straight, and that's what's going to make it funny. And this is an actor I think that would be a lot of fun to play with in that. I have a strange feeling that we're going to have some crossover. We might have some crossover here. It's happened in the past. It absolutely has. You know, between many episodes. So, Interspace, man. Yeah, absolutely. Interspace is what we're talking Mm. about. If you are unfamiliar, Interspace is a film from 1987 that borrows heavily from the classic sci-fi film Fantastic Voyage. Yes. Uh, A lot of the plot is very similar to it, where it's a gentleman that gets shrunk down and put inside another gentleman. And not like hamster style or gerbil style <laughs> up the bum, but like introduced into the bloodstream in a little ship. And it's been referenced, that and Fantastic Voyage have been referenced in all sorts of stuff from Family Guy to Archer. I mean, there's oh, yeah. so many elements uh, that, are, that are used in all these like comedies based on these two movies specifically. It definitely has, there have been other properties out there that have um, c- kind of taken that notion. Of Hell, even Rick and Morty had a uh, shrinking tiny or, you know, whatever. And we'll get into that probably with our mashups part, because some some are obvious. I mean, obviously, like Ant-Man, I actually I'm not super familiar with the comics, how far back Ant-Man goes. Ant-Man was one of the original Avengers. Okay, so, yeah, he's been around for a minute. 70s, probably 60s. I want to say damn that far. back. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and that was one thing that I thought of possibly was Peyton Reed, who's the director of both Ant-Man movies, about him being involved in this. But uh, his backlog of stuff uh, just wasn't necessarily strong enough. And I felt that I was more leaning on the fact that he's worked with shrinking and growing. And that's not enough, really, for this. And I wanted something more than it just being thematically similar. Yeah, it was a little too on the nose, which is why I didn't pick it as one of my mashups. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Well, on a mashup, I can understand. But as far as, like, taking the director just because he dealt with stuff that shrinks you know <laughs> but there, there's there's a lot of mashup opportunities for sure i'm very excited to discuss but um let's go into kind of why we want to talk about inner space i mean this is one of those films that joe dante was the director he was the director and it was a spielberg produced produced film. yes and it was the second time they worked together after Gr- gremlins. gremlins yes yeah. correct yeah, yeah. spielberg and, and da- joe dante joe dante is a prolific director in the in genre film yes and he's he's done all a ton. Just look at his list, and you go, oh, so like all my favorite movies from the eighties, basically. That's a motherfucker I want to meet at a con. Yeah, he did what Piranha, uh, The Howling, Explorers, yeah, a million Gremlins. Yeah. I mean, just all sorts of and stuff. And the fact that he can he can operate so easily and effectively with like a PG movie that is perfect for people my age, like when it came out. Sure. Not now. I mean, no. I, st- I still love it now. Sure. But you know. As a kid, we're talking about the, you know, the effect this movie had. My two younger brothers and I adored this movie so much. It was so goofy. It was funny. It it was adventure. There were scary bits. There was stuff we didn't get at the time. Like, you know. And it has that signature Joe Dante where there's really dark moments and there's also fucking zany. I mean, just full on zany, almost cartoonish moments in this film. And the practical effects, I'm sorry, were so amazing. The whole like head transformation yep. sequence 
with Martin Short is so fucking funny. <laughs> this you may not be familiar uh, familiar with this little tidbit, but this is the only Joe Dante film that won an Academy Award, and it won it for special effects. Special effects. Talking with me about interspace should probably introduce you after several minutes of waxing poetic about interspace is uh, one of the co-hosts of Beautiful Disasters on the Geeks Under the Influence Network. Uh, Mr. Herr Grutz is here. Yes, indeed. And you just released an episode that was recorded live at GalaxyCon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Our GalaxyCon episode is just dropped. Enjoy it. Yeah. We had so much fun. We had a great turnout. We screened a bunch of clips uh, from movies and stuff that, you know, people that were at the con, celebrities that, that were at the con uh, were in. We had, a, we had a bunch of fun and we had some great audience interaction. The Check crowd out. was really into it. The crowd was really participatory, which was fantastic. I mean, we normally don't get that with our, you know, in studio recording. Yeah. So to be able to have that interaction with the fans, that was fantastic. That's all you want. And, you know, I, I just went into it like, we'll see what happens. And it, I was so pleasantly surprised how well it was received. Absolutely. So, yeah. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. I also want to give a welcome to anybody that's unfamiliar with Smack My Pitch Up or any of the shows on the Geeks Under the Influence Network. We're getting a little bit more traffic from our nomination from the flagship show, Geeks Under the Influence, uh, that was nominated for the best podcast in Richmond uh, for the second year in a row by the timesdispatchinrichmond.com. So we appreciate any new listeners that are checking it out, and we love feedback. So if this is your first time listening or you've been listening the whole time, feel free to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your shows. Even just drop us a line, whether it be through our social media or at geeksundertheinfluence at gmail.com, or shoot a voicemail or text message to our hotline at 804-505-4484. That's 804-505-4GUI. Uh, and we're really good about getting back to our listeners and, uh, and you know, interacting with you guys. So we're, you're part of the fun for, the, for us. Hell yes. So let's get into the movie at hand. I am very excited to uh, break this down and well, basically ruin a classic, I think. It's, yeah, I mean, it might not be ruined. It's one of those that it's been over 30 years since this movie came out. Right. So in one regard, I could see it being available for a remake or a reimagining because it is one of those cult classics. It's not an untouchable movie necessarily, but it right. aged well, I think, for the most part. It really did. And, you know... The way it was written, I think, really, and obviously the performances of, of the cast, really lend to an enjoyable experience. An adventure movie that is funny, it has heartbreaking moments, it has like good drama, like the whole relationship between the main character and his girlfriend, mm -hmm. on and off thing. Everything's there that needs to be there. And I'm pretty sure that I've put this disclaimer out before on other episodes of smack my pitch up, but I am pretty much allergic to unnecessary remakes and reboots. And oh, stuff I'm the like same that. way. That's kind of why I love this show though, is that this is exactly. us not necessarily saying it should happen. We're like, what if it does? Exactly. That's part so, of the fun of the silly side of it too. It's like, how weird can it be for a remake? Cause I've seen reimaginings of stuff where it's just not even the same film anymore. No. And no, so and, we do that, but it's more in a ridiculous look how dumb this is kind of way. And the fact that Hollywood will spend multi-millions of dollars to remake something like RoboCop that is just like, fuck you, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do it. And so being able to like just riff and be creative and have fun, and that's what Hollywood should be doing instead of actually remaking all these things. You hear that, Hollywood? You're on notice. That's right. <laughs> this, this podcast, you know, putting you on notice. 
<laughs> yeah, so take that. Of course, I'll take their money if they, yeah, I mean, if they know, pick mine. Fuck they, you, Hollywood, it, unless you actually want us to be involved in Hollywood, and then, hi, Hollywood. Yeah, if you, if you <laughs> pick my remake for this, okay. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, as far as remakes go, are, is this a, a reboot, a reimagining, a sequel, sidequel? Are you just doing a straight remake? I pretty much, yeah, both versions... The serious and the kind of the funny are, are remakes. Okay. Um, I didn't want to sequelize it. I felt that, that the movie like perfectly told a story and, and to try to continue it after the resolution of the movie was just like, eh, Unnecessary. Yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't going to happen. I didn't want to prequel it or anything like that. Sure. Either. So yeah, they're just straight remakes. My serious one is a remake. It's, it's pretty much the same style of, of movie for the most part with some modern tweaks but my funny is definitely a reimagining okay so it's taking it in kind of a slightly different direction a little bit so uh for your remake are you doing any kind of major changes to the plot i'm actually not not for my serious the funny is going to play around with the characters some and and kind of the overall theme is definitely going to change as okay. far as the, the feel of the movie okay um but i i would say they're still both under the remake banner Okay. I mean, it might be remake, reimagining-ish for the funny one, but yeah, the serious one, definitely remake. I'm not really changing the plot. I, yeah, I, I didn't even really want to change the time period, you know? Oh, you were thinking of even making it like a uh, a period piece almost? Yeah. yeah. Like set in 1987? Yeah. Nice. And I'll explain more later about that. <laughs> now, the basic gist of this story, if you are unfamiliar with inner space, is basically there is a uh, science experiment that's being done by a lab where they're trying to miniaturize a person to go inside another person. There's plenty of opportunity for, you know, shrinking and enlarging technology to be used for everything from, like, transporting freight to uh, helping medical science uh, move forward, which I think medical science is what is mainly focusing on in this movie, for the most part. Yes and no, because also um, the project is funded by the military. Sure. Yeah. So you probably just, some other stuff. They didn't really get into uh, what they might actually want to use that shit for sure but it, it is the military that's doing these experiments yeah you know <laughs> but basically a rival lab uh comes in and basically attacks this lab while they're in the midst of doing their experiment and instead of being injected into a rabbit our hero lieutenant tuck pendleton is uh injected into a hapless grocery store employee that happens to be nearby when the uh scientist is running away so the injected dude <laughs> yeah. is inside, well, Martin Short in the original. And together they have to find a way to get the other microchip back that helps enlarge so that they can get him out of, out of, uh, out of dude's body. Right. And then hijinks ensue, basically. Lots oh, of jazz hands. Lots of hijinks. Yes, plenty, plenty of hijinks. So, yeah, the overall plot is about the same for me, uh, minus some slight tweaks to modernize it a little mm -hmm. bit. Instead of you know, having to go and clamp something to his ear in order to be able to communicate with him and stuff like that. It's going to be more like he has a moment of thinking like God's talking to him and stuff. And it's more Wi-Fi based. And you can even play with like getting on free Wi-Fi and him having to agree to the terms and conditions to get on the Wi-Fi to contact dude. <laughs> and like just some fun little, you know, little modern tweaks there just to have some yeah, fun yeah. with it as no, well. No, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I was also thinking that it would be interesting instead of Martin, Short's character, um, which is J Jack Putter. Yes. Instead of him being just this dude that happened to be nearby, and I think he was in a mall 
when he was injected. Yeah, I think it was it weird. Was... There was a, like a lab in a mall, which is very like Gremlins too, as well. No, which... no, the, the the lab wasn't in the mall. Like the one one of the scientists escaped and was like on the run from the baddies. Okay, and he got over to the mall. He had been like I think shot, and he so he was like bleeding. Yeah, and. I, if I remember correctly, uh, Jack Putter was at the mall because his doctor told him to take a vacation and he was going to go to like a travel agency oh, you're right. at the yep. mall. And so he was just there and they end up in an elevator together and he gets injected with the, the, the <laughs> note that I'm taking. That's a little bit different. And it, I think just so we can have a little bit of like funny, funny right up the front is that he is at the lab doing um as like a human guinea pig for trials that they're doing on something wildly different just something like cold medication or something you know oh yeah yeah where in the things it's like uh side effects include and one of the like super rare ones is like hearing voices or something funny you know like that (laughs) and so when he starts behaving differently because the dude inside him is able to control parts of his nervous system and and that gets into some fun as well where he can change faces and get super strong and like do all this fun stuff he's hearing voices and he's his reflexes are are weird and he thinks it's all side effects of the medication experimental medication he's on so he thinks that he is turning into a superhero almost because of this like weird scientific medication and it's like this moment of him being like i can fight crime and it just not and then that's where uh wi-fi fails out and then he just gets the shit beat out of him by like (laughs) by some local use that are trying to steal a purse or something. And I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But that's about it. That's just a minor little tweak at the beginning for the most part. I like it. And don't make it, what is it? No, it was, it was an American company that was trying to steal. It wasn't like the Russians or anything, right? No, no, yeah. It was just, it, it was a capitalist, like an evil capitalist dude that was like, uh, we're going to monetize this for evil. <laughs> yeah, I, basically, right. you know, just like, we're going to make all the money on this. Here at Evil Corp. Yeah, yeah. You we know. just like money. He was like Zorg. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> From the Fifth Element. With oh, that. that would have been a good casting. I didn't even think about Gary Oldman. I I looked at him, actually. Yeah. And then I was like, no. Just a, play Zorg. This like, is an American movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep keep dude American, but, you know. All right. So as far as the plot, we're pretty close to the original, as far, at least in our uh, serious one. For all intents and purposes on the show, picking the director really kind of informs us and, and the listener as to what kind of tone yes. the film is going to have based on previous films, based on, you know, a lot of directors have that style. So for your serious, let's, let's go down our serious first and then we can have fun with the, the funny. But uh, what, what are we looking at for your director? Um, I actually, for the serious, I went with Panos Cosmatos of Mandy fame. Oh, Jesus. And Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Jeez. Wow. Um, wow. He has such a visceral, like, visual style, and obviously he is making genre movies in a whole new light. So, so you're not looking to uh, homogenize this by any stretch. You're trying to make it even weirder. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> it's 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 going to go way the fuck off the rails for my, for my series. For those unfamiliar with Mandy, which is his most recent film, stars Nicolas Cage, about the only movie that I've seen Nicolas Cage in that the, the story surrounding him is so batshit crazy. When Nicolas Cage goes full cage, it works like it actually fits. Oh yeah. It totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it nothing felt out of place in that movie. <laughs> no. You know, that movie is absolutely bonkers where I just stop about 20 or 30 minutes in and pour a couple fingers of, of bourbon because it was stressing me out. <laughs> it you was, have to. It was a lot. I mean, the, the, the movie was so 
unbelievably outrageously awesome. Yeah. It, it, it defied every expectation I had. I, I remember seeing the trailer and I was like, okay, maybe. <laughs> like, I saw the guy's first movie, Beyond the Black Rainbow, and, sure. and it was a mood piece that was, you know, set in this weird, like, 80s era, and it was, it was just brilliant. But it was definitely an indie auteur director. Sure. Sort of, sort of effort. And he got himself a bigger budget, and he got himself Nick Cage, and he made a fucking masterpiece. Okay. So... I the guy is is made of gold at this point as far as I'm concerned cuz you know he could direct anything. He could direct a Muppets movie and I would fucking be there oh, with my money it, in my it's hand. It's going to be like a darker version of Meet the Feebles. Like holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down. All right. Well, I'm in it. Uh my serious, I did not go the same direction as you for for my serious here. I decided to go with an uh director and also actor that has done a number of movies you might be familiar with is able to do both the kind of action and comedy, which I think is important to both be able to, to be able to do both relatively well. Oh yeah. Uh, this director is known for doing both the, uh, the remake of Jumanji and the new Jumanji movie that's coming out. Okay. Uh, the movie sex tape did walk hard, uh, and did orange County also was a director on several episodes of freaks and geeks and undeclared. So very much in that Paul Rudd camp, Nice. Or, not, or, or not Paul Rudd. Uh, well, yeah, Paul Rudd as well, but uh, Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow. Yeah, from that, uh, from that school a little bit. But also definitely has done a lot more action stuff than Judd Apatow has done, so you definitely right. need that element in this, in this movie, is uh, Jake Kasdan. Okay. That's, isn't that Lawrence Kasdan's son? It might be. Might be. I'll, I'll check here in a minute. I but, think it might be. Yeah. Well, so I mean, comes from a good stock of people that know yeah. their... Uh, <laughs> They're sci-fi. A guy who directed a good Star Wars movie. Yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> so that's uh, that's my choice for my serious. Now, uh, let's just kind of run down our lists um, and briefly kind of discuss why for our serious here. Uh, first one I have is Lieutenant Tuck Pendleton. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was uh, Dennis Quaid. That Dennis Quaid. Den- that yeah. played originally. So who and, do you have? And he was like a, kind of an alcoholic. Uh, I, I guess he, the implicate, or it was implied that he was uh, like a, fighter pilot or something a hot shot fighter pilot. kind of a little washed out a little washed out he's a little nick nolteying a little bit yeah, yeah yeah and uh you know he's on he's on the rocks with his girl and his relationships like his booze on and, the rocks. and now he's doing weird like experiments with the air force and she's a reporter and yeah it was it was all kinds of all over the place which that dynamic you're doing a super secret experimental program for the air force and you're girlfriend that you're having a makeup breakup relationship with is a reporter that is not who would be chosen by the air force to uh right to do yeah, this yeah. Experiment talk about a all. classified experiment that is not going to be so classified yeah right this raging alcoholic burnout with a reporter girlfriend hmm <laughs> let's see this blow up in our fucking faces yeah. But I mean, 80s. 80s. You had to suspend your discipline. <laughs> and also Air Force way more fast than loose in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, uh, the Tuck Pendleton character, who did you have? Uh, for my serious, I wanted somebody that could play that, like, kind of not taking things seriously enough as able and kind of the burnt out, scruffy faced kind of character but it could also like pull it together and get shit done when necessary yeah. and somebody that's portrayed that really well on stranger things is uh david harbour oh so yeah i think david harbour would nail this character really well and would be a lot of fun to see play with it. oh my god yes yeah yeah actually david harbour 
Like he he has so much gravitas. He's he commands a room, but also knows how to play in that space at the same time. He does. He, he's able to allow space for other people to perform with him in a scene as well. Well, not so much because he takes up a lot of space because he's a giant. <laughs> he's human a giant being. dude. Yes. So obviously he wasn't a fighter pilot earlier. Yeah, well, the, you know they they couldn't stuff him into a freaking <laughs> F fifteen. He's got a plunger just trying to like shove him in there. Get in there. Get in there. But uh, no, yeah, no, I I, I get it. He has acting chops for days. For absolute days. He can and be funny. He can be he can be dramatic. Yeah. I did also like kind of the 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 fun element of just a gigantic man that is the tiny one inside of another person's body. You sure. Know, just that like they had a little bit of that with like Dennis Quaid and Martin Short, where Martin Short's this lanky like kind of nimbly bimbly dude, and then there's you know Dennis Quaid who's this like hot shot pilot guy not as massive as david harper but no 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm sure dennis quaid reaches like the six foot mark but sure that's about it yeah you know he's he's a regular size you know indiana jones size guy yeah you yeah. know he's not a he's not a giant person yes <laughs> not a person that doesn't need uh lifts to play hellboy right <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly not, not in the ron perlman world uh, like harbor is yeah uh, <laughs> so that's that's my uh lieutenant pendleton who do you got for pendleton uh i actually went with vince vaughn Okay. Because he looks like he hasn't slept in days because he's on a bender all the time. So that is true. (laughs) That's part of it. Um, But he also, we all know that he can bring the funny. Sure. And he can, you know, whatnot. But his serious turns of late. Cell Block 99. Yeah. Brawl in Cell Block 99. Oh, man. Fuck balls. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. And so, especially in the context of being, you know, from the director of Mandy, I wanted someone who could be lighthearted initially and when things go off the rails get fucking serious business okay i see yeah i see what you're doing he doesn't okay. have to have a shaved head you know <laughs> no, not but, necessarily you know it like i think vince vaughn you know is very underrated and right. so yeah anyway okay. uh that's my tuck pedal then i absolutely see how that would work next one up is a uh, jack putter yes now this is the martin short character yes a uh, very physical uh, role in the original and I was really debating on how I wanted to portray that if I wanted somebody that was that was really good at doing very physical comedy or if I wanted to play it a little bit more modern in its uh, comedic approach the wacky zany the very arms flailing everywhere falling over right. slapsticky kind of stuff was very big in the late 80s into like the early to mid 90s and it's still around but it's not nearly as prevalent as it used to be right so I, I figured I would go with a comedian that would have aspects of that in the role for sure i mean okay. it's, a, it's an actiony movie so there are going to be moments but i think more playing the whole i'm not supposed to be doing this role as opposed to the zany flint buoyant flippy do kind of approach <laughs> right. more than like no <laughs> i'm not going to jump from this car to another car on the freeway and kind of state it that way like so you want me to jump from one car to another car on the freeway no just blatantly like <laughs> you are an insane person if you think I'm going to do this and then takes over the legs or something and does the thing and yeah. does something wild and then like okay well I did that that's oh, cool oh shit yeah. I didn't even think about that imagine if he has enough control where he can do like the upgrade shit yeah oh <laughs> so for my uh, Jack Putter I went with a comedian that I'm obsessed with absolutely love this dude and has really come up big time is uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely hilarious. He is able to wink, wink at the audience really well without, with still playing it 
with that smirk straight face kind of thing. And I think that'd be a lot of fun playing against uh, David Harbour. Oh, as yeah. they're bouncing back and forth, I think would be super fun to the point where there's a comedy he's doing with uh, Batista with Batista that where he's an Uber driver isn't normally something I would go to the theater to see. But I really want to see this dynamic like real hard. I think that's just going to be funny. It's going to be funny as shit. I'm deeply excited about it. it's uh, called uh, Goober or something. Stuber. 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 That's what it yeah, is. Yeah. Like stupid Uber. Stupid Uber. Yeah. <laughs> so Kamel is my choice for Jack Putter. I, I think he would be an absolute blast to watch uh, he's been good in everything i've ever seen him in yep and his his stand-up is amazing like i, I the love movie him, big sick is oh my God. amazing and that that was he well that he wrote that with his with his wife right it, it was kind of a story about what they went through yeah and yeah dude cool. for real yeah that's a seriously good movie i think it's still on amazon prime if, uh, I think it was produced by Amazon. It oh, was, so yeah, one, so, it was one of the Amazon pictures. Oh, okay. So yeah, that it's not going anywhere. So no, definitely check not. it out if you haven't seen it. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, no, he's out, he's outstanding. Uh, my Jack Putter. I wanted to go with someone that you know, yes, can be physical, but also, um, you know, in the context of of a Panos Cosmatos movie, can also be fucking bizarre. I went with Elijah Wood. I dig it because. He can be creepy as fuck. Well, if you ever saw Sin City, he is amazingly creepy. Oh, or absolutely. He was behind the camera a lot of the time, but he's still in Maniac. Maniac? Or, or, yeah. yeah, he was yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And we all know that he can he can be part of an action sequence. He would he was in Lord of the Rings, all that kind of sure. stuff. But just the fact that the character initially was so high anxiety. Like that was his thing. He was he was uh he thought he was sick all the time. He was he was worried about like everything going on with 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 his body. And if you ever saw Elijah Wood and was it uh, Wilford, the one with the adult man in a dog costume? Oh, I I always meant to watch that. He plays the neurotic, like thinks he's going insane, like really awkward kind of character that I absolutely see as kind of a a showing that he can play that type of role. Right, and I'm I'm forgetting the name right now because. I was thinking about it earlier and it just left my head, but he was this amazing character in this Netflix original movie where he played the neighbor of a girl, uh, where weird shit happens. It's kind of like this weird eighties world. Um, I, uh, I don't want to live in this world anymore. Yes. Or, yeah. That yes. was, he, and he had a weird mustache and like weird aviator glasses he, yeah, and this like seventies tank top. And, yeah, and he was like, he had like a Saxon shirt on <laughs> and, he was just like, yeah, no, let's go take care of business. Like he was a bad motherfucker and, and then he got his ass kicked a lot. Well, that's the thing. He acted like a bad motherfucker and he super wasn't, except for the fact that he right. didn't back down from shit. Like, that exactly. Was it. And he had nunchucks. Yes. Oh, like, I, was, <laughs> I forgot about the nunchucks. He was like, that movie was such a breath of fresh air. It was a blast. I love that movie. Yeah. You know, goddamn Netflix for not actually making physical media. Fuck you. <laughs> I want to own it. But, um. Yeah, no, he's he's my pick for Jack Potter. I, okay. I think he would handle all that anxiety perfectly, and and he could be funny. He could be you know, all of them. So now the next one that I have on my list is uh, Lydia Maxwell, who is yes. the girlfriend of uh, Lieutenant Tuck Pendleton. Yes, or estranged, um, at on and again, off again, girlfriend. I guess yes, is the best way to yes. They have a tumultuous relationship, and this was originally portrayed by one Meg Ryan. Yes, in the original. So big shoes to fill. Yeah. 
I mean, she was like the '80s queen. So she she definitely was was hitting it big back then. Oh, absolutely. And uh, so for that, I wanted somebody that could be comedically funny, but also somebody that was like very you know sassy and kind of independent, strong willed. You could see as a reporter, just really driven right. and uh, kind of her own person. Doesn't need to take shit. Is like t- tired of having to mother this like man baby boyfriend of hers right kind of attitude and uh i also went a little bit younger than david harbour so like young um driven you know girlfriend probably like got in him because he was a former you know experimental pilot guy or something and and yeah. just and then realized that he was just burned the fuck out at this point i went with a uh, karen gillen oh okay yeah yeah also i just want to see her in everything so that's, yeah no i i don't blame you for that yeah no fair enough um <laughs> great actress and also is very familiar with the director, Jake Kasdan, from being in the Jumanji, Jumanji movies as well. So right. a lot of directors use a lot of the same actors because they know how to work together already. They've already worked out that rapport, which makes filming so much easier. And, and I think she would be a blessed addition to my version yes. of, uh, of this film. Absolutely. So, yeah. I went with um, Rachel Weiss or Weiss. Okay. Okay. Depending on the pronunciation. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen The Favorite, which was the guy who directed The Lobster, Yorgos Lathimos, or whatever his name is, um, it is so w- fucking solid. Did he also do Swiss Army Man? Was that the same director? No, he did... No, he did The, the Killing of a Sacred Killing Deer. Killing of a Sacred Deer. That's yeah. what it was, yeah. Um, she's amazing because, yeah, she can do she can do action, she can do funny, and she can definitely act her fucking face off. So she can be a, you know you know, sort of in that reporter role where she is, you know, wants the story, all this kind of thing, you know, and will play off of uh, Vince Vaughn beautifully, I think. Well, the way she holds herself, you would immediately uh, accept that she's a reporter. Yeah. I mean, she just kind of holds herself in that kind of tone with just absolutely. this yeah. dominating presence. Kind of. Yeah. It just made sense in my brain. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah, that's my Lydia. Oh, yeah. My next one is uh, the rival uh, lab, the the guy that's running like black market science stuff. Uh, yep. Scrimshaw is who I have next. Yeah. And uh, oh, the actor that originally played him. Kevin uh, McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy, who you've seen in everything. Um, yeah, he was great. I mean, he was just, he was the guy that was trying to make a million bucks. What's funny too, is I actually had to look up how old he was because I went, I remember him being old, but he's been around forever. What, what do I just remember him old? Because the most recent stuff I've seen him in is, is old. And it's like, Oh no, he's been old since the eighties. <laughs> I, maybe he just has that like Steve Martin affliction where he just had no, no, gray no, no. Hair he, he was born he... in like 1914. Uh, he died in 2010. He was, he, or he was like 96 years old. When okay. He died. So he was legit old. He was legit old in the 80s. He was in the original uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You're right. He was. Holy he, crap. He was in the original, not the 70s one with, with Donald Sutherland. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. So yeah, that dude's been around for a while. Yeah. True. So yeah, so for for uh, Scrimshaw, I wanted somebody that had kind of a, a intense presence. Uh, definitely was one of those that you do not want to fuck with this person. This is somebody that's definitely in charge. This is somebody that will definitely kill you if you get in his way. Kind of an attitude. And this is also the character, like we were discussing at the beginning of this episode, that you play it straight the whole time, and you let the scene itself be the comedy of you playing it way harder than anybody else is, and that's what makes it funny in that moment. Okay. And I'm thinking specifically of the scene with the cowboy where they're sitting down and talking brass tacks. And uh, it's one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, if not my favorite scene. Oh, yeah. It's brilliant. 
And I'm just picturing this with uh, Scrimshaw being played by Liam Neeson. Oh, yeah, and he can definitely pull that off. Yeah, him just going like, what are you even doing? Just completely <laughs> kind of like uh, Ronan in the first Guardians of the Galaxy when Peter Quill starts dancing. He's like, what are you, what are you doing? And just completely, yeah. like, this is the, not the time for that, dude. Dance <laughs> kind of, off, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, th- I think uh, Liam Neeson would be a really fun choice for that role. Just no, playing he, it yeah, super he, Liam Neeson. He would definitely own it. I mean, he commands such a presence. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, he he would definitely portray that character beautifully. See, the storyline itself requires a lot of really big personalities in this role. This is a bigger-than-life story because it's about, like, it's a fantastic voyage. You're shrinking down somebody into somebody's bloodstream, and there's, like, rival scientists, and there's, like, a cyborg dude with a a robot hand. And, yeah, it's, it's zany to a degree. And so you need somebody big enough to really or characters big enough to really convince you of it, you know, <laughs> let you be part of this world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> my, uh, my Victor Scrimshaw, I went with, and now that I'm thinking about it in context of Kevin McCarthy, it didn't even occur to me. And my, my brain just made maybe a, an unconscious connection, but I actually picked Donald Sutherland who played the same <laughs> character <laughs> In the Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That's amazing. In the 70s. Hell yeah. And I was just like... No, but he would be a good choice in this as well. Absolutely. He would be great. Yeah. Like, I was thinking of his character uh, in Outbreak, where he's like the the top-ranking general who is trying to keep, like... Or even his character in the Puppet Masters. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I I love the man. He's fucking awesome. Hell yeah. So I, I think, you know, just knowing who he is... You know how he would fucking portray Absolutely, sure. And he could definitely play it up as, you know, he's like the head of this, you know, organization, this company, and he's trying to monetize this new technology. Sure. That's why he wants to steal it. That's why everything goes down. Yeah. You know, he's trying to make a billion dollars. Hell yeah. So. Who doesn't want to make a million dollars? Yeah, right? Uh, Next one up is, for me, I've got Dr. Kanker. Yes. Do you have a Dr. Kanker? Cranker. Cranker? Is it Cranker? Is it Cranker? It's Cranker or Kinker, whatever. That that scientist. Yeah. She was like the she was like the scientist sidekick of Scrimshaw. Yes. Like the the evil sidekick, basically. I most definitely have one. But you you do yours and I'll do mine. So for Dr. Kanker, very much that like stereotypical eighties scientist lady with the big glasses and the hair in a bun kind of tone. And I wanted somebody that definitely has comedic timing, but definitely nerdy. I could think of no one better to portray this in a like comedic action version than one Tina Fey. Oh yeah. She would nail the crap out of that part. Like, I, honestly, I feel like it would be almost like not enough part for her. Like that. She would just nail it so hard that you want her in more of the film almost. No, I totally get it. Yeah. But I mean, she would ac- absolutely massacre this, this part she for can, sure. She can do no wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. On that. I don't even have to explain why that would work. Like it just, it, so keeping in mind that like, the, you know, my series version is, is, is kind of going off the rails, Mandy style. Sure. In a sense. Um, I went with Tilda Swinton. Ooh. Because not only does she have such a stark, you know, unique appearance, but her, the way she holds herself and the way she performs. And I have been so impressed with her for years, but when she did three fucking roles in the new Suspiria movie, I... I just fucking lost my mind. Yeah. Like she can do no wrong. Yeah. Like she can do anything. Like she is literally like the 
you know, the jack of all trades when it comes to acting what at this point. Continually impresses me with her as she has such a very specific look and tone about her. Yeah. But is still such a versatile actress that she can play all these different roles. Oh, yeah. All these wildly different roles, some kind of more playful or awkward, some very hardline. I mean, she she played an evil angel in Constantine. I mean, like, right. She can do all this stuff, even though she looks very much like her. Like, there's no mistaking her for anyone else. Right. Like, she's like a genetic clone or an alien female clone of David Bowie yeah, from another planet. Much, yeah. Like, I, you know, they talk about that, on, you know, online, but I believe it. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a conspiracy theory I'll assign. The you know. Tilda Swinton who fell I'll, to I'll Earth. I'll go for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she's my, she's my Dr. Margaret Cranker. Nice. I like that. I really like that. Well, for your version. I don't know if it would work as well in my version. But, Maybe not. But, you but yours, it would definitely work. Uh, next one up is uh, Mr. Ego. Yeah. Which is the robot hand dude that was played by... Uh, uh, Vernon Wells. Vernon Wells that you may know from, well, he's played a bunch of stuff, but primarily Road Warrior is what a lot of people yeah. recognize him from. Or Commando. Or Commando, yes, as well. Yeah. And a big, hulking, terrifying gentleman. Yeah, big dude. Yeah. I want one of the dude that's not quite as imposing, but I think would be a lot of fun to see in this role. And also, it's just near and dear to my heart. I love him to death, and I think would work really well with his cast listing. It'd okay. be super fun to see. How he would play the super hard ass, like almost Terminator style, because that was what a lot of the acting choices that he made was based on is playing kind of a Terminator type. Yeah. He was like a mute brute force. Yeah. Of his own with a mechanical hand. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, so good. I mean, it's basically Jaws from James Bond. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Amazing. So, I thought it would be super fun to see what Nick Offerman could do in that role. <laughs> Ron, robotic Ron Swanson uh, oh my running God. around. Because, you know, Nick Offerman is, you know, he is few with his words in a lot of his roles. Sure. So the fact that he could, I don't know if you're going to have this being a silent character again. Not entirely, but mostly. But he could pull that shit off. He's so expressive with minimal expression. Exactly. Too. Yeah, no, no. I, the, I he plays. He says a lot with his eyebrows and his eyes. There's a whole lot of communication there. So, yeah. I think that's important for a character like this. Yes. Yeah. Um, based on a recent uh, viewing of one of my favorite TV shows of all time, I had to go with an actor named Andre Ivenchko, who was Grigori in Stranger Things 3. I, you know what? I almost picked that as well, because it's talk about taking notes from Terminator. I mean, oh. he was straight up. He was the Russian Terminator. Yes. And I don't want to speak too much to it for any of our listeners that haven't listened to or seen all of season three of Stranger Things yet. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to spoilerize anything, but he has such an imposing presence on screen. And I don't know if I've seen him in something else before. Sure. But the way that they they put him in that show. He's unstoppable. And Oh, my God. I almost picked him, but I felt it was it was two on the nose for my version because mine is more of kind of a funny take on it and, right. and like he's definitely more imposing than would really work in my version he but. would work perfectly as mr ego you know obviously Vernon wells is getting up there in years sure looking more like my dad <laughs> right you know but that's my pick sweet he's fucking awesome uh the last one that i have here is i needed to cast the cowboy goddamn right i he's, i had to cast the cowboy he's 
possibly the greatest character in the whole movie. It's so much fun. And I, I went very left field with my choice here, but it's an actor that I've always deeply loved. Doesn't get nearly enough work. Had a, a part in Walk Hard, so he's familiar with working with uh, Jack Kasdan. Okay. I also would love to see him dressed as like a cowboy. I think would be so fucking hilarious to have him dressed up as a cowboy with the like the capped gold tooth and the whole thing. Just do it like straight up, almost the same outfit, but with this actor in it is uh, Tim Meadows. Dude, you went Blazing Saddles. Yeah, with this I went Blazing Saddles. With it. <laughs> I think it would be so much fun. Well, and he he is super underappreciated. Tim Meadows is fucking hilarious. Yes, he, he is. doesn't get nearly enough work. I mean, what was the last thing you saw him in? What Mean Girls and Walk yeah. Hard? And that's, I mean, he's just little tiny cameos here and there. But yeah, I know, so, motherfuckers, you need to cast that. Yeah, dude. cast Tim Meadows. I want to see Tim Meadows and stuff. He's amazing. Yeah, dude. The ladies' man still absolutely destroys me every time I watch it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, his run on SNL was so fucking good. So good. Um, I I have to, like, dial back for just a second because the performance of Robert Picardo <laughs> in so fun. the original, this is pre, uh, you know, Star Trek fame. Like, he was a lesser-known actor, but he killed that role. The cowboy was so fucking funny. Oh, yeah. Everything about him was fucking hilarious. You're talking about how, like, he makes love with his boots on for the friction. <laughs> like, oh, I, like, all the shit. Like, every fucking scene that he was in, he chewed so hard, and it worked so well. Oh, yeah. That's why it's, like, the best scene in the movie. It really is. Yeah. Like, he's, he's so over the top. So I... <laughs> <laughs> so I went with Nicolas Cage. Oh, God. He's already been in Mandy. He already has a relationship with the director. Who could out Picardo, the oh. cowboy, in the context of, of this idea? It has to be Nick Cage. I'm not even picturing the Nick Cage scene. I'm picturing me scream, cry, laughing at that scene with him playing the cowboy. Because we've all seen it in many of his oh, yeah. lesser films where he is just freaking the fuck out or super excited. Or he's like, how much cocaine did he do before he started this scene? Sure. So many movies that he has done, you know, you're talking, we're talking about face off. We're talking about the, the fucking wicker man abomination, like, <laughs> uh, you know, snake eyes, like all, How these, did it burn? all these fucking movies where he just, he, he cages out full Ma- cage, mom and dad, you know, all these, movies. oh my goodness. So good. So yes, he, he has to be my cowboy in the Panos Cosmatos. Hell yeah. Directed version. Now, uh, that, that's the end of my list of serious choices yes. here. Uh, yes. We're going to have to kind of rapid fire through the funny because we are getting a little long in the tooth on this episode. Yes, here. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I want to thank everybody that nominated us for the 2019 Richmond Best of for Best Local Podcast by the Times Dispatch and Richmond.com. This is the second year in a row we've been nominated and the second year in a row that they've actually done this category. Voting has just opened and will be open until the 21st of July. So definitely go to Times Dispatch or Richmond.com or just go to our homepage at GUIPodcast.com for a link to the categories for Richmond's Best of 2019 and make sure to vote for Geeks Under the Influence. You can vote once a day and we appreciate it. This is Mike the Hobbit direct from Fallout on a trivia night telling you to come here every first and third Monday for trivia between 8 and 10, 25 cent wings, drink specials, prizes, and tons of really inappropriate trivia. It's a lot of fun. Do you guys agree? Definitely come out and enjoy trivia every first and third Monday at Fallout.
Do you enjoy stories about drunk men on tractors T-boning a police car? Or someone jumping a gorge in a Nissan Versa? Or literally any story that comes out of Florida? Then you're going to love Booze Clues, the latest podcast on the Geeks Under the Influence Network. We do this show live every month in the darkroom in Richmond, Virginia. It is a cavalcade of comedians, podcasters, performers in an investigation or riff on drunken crimes and debaucherous activity around the world. Doors are at 7, show starts at 8, it's 21 up and free. Again, that's at the Darkroom, 2818 West Broad Street in the upstairs suite. For more information, go to GUIPodcast.com. So uh, for my funny, uh, this is something that was discussed actually earlier on the episode and I had to bite my tongue a little bit. There are so many elements to this movie that can be taken a totally different way. It's set up for, and it's primed. It's, it's almost like with steampunk in the original Wild Wild West TV show. Right. Where there were elements of it, and then they just went full bore with the movie. Now, that sucked, <laughs> but they noticed kind of the elements were established in the original and just kind of went full on with it. Right. I feel the same thing exists in Interspace with cyberpunk. That there's uh, okay. so many cyberpunk elements to this uh, movie already. There's the the robotic hand guy. There's this the weird science stuff happening. There's body control shit. Um, and so I thought the most recent director to do anything substantial in this cyberpunk element is a, the director of Upgrade. Lee Wannell? <laughs> yes. Just hey! uh, Lee Wannell to, uh, to direct my cyberpunk version of Inner Space. Dude. Upgrade was such a fucking like beautiful thing that came out of the middle of nowhere. It, yeah, I was not expecting anything. I saw the trailer and went, okay, yeah, I absolutely have to see it, and then saw it and was blown away. Yeah. It was a fantastic film. I love that movie. I own that movie. I have probably seen it five or six times now. Hell yeah. It's, it's fucking amazing. Now I'm just going to shoot down my list real quick, um, yeah. just because this is just kind of a fun choice based on the actor, and this is one of those moments where like the actual funny could also possibly work yeah it, sure. it's not it's not so zany like a i always go back to the he-man john waters because it's one of my personal favorites just john waters doing a he-man movie just uh I, I feel like that's kind of the same thing here is that like it this is so set to be a cyberpunk film without actually being cyberpunk yet sure so just kind of lean in just go that one extra degree and make it like dark and a little bit gruesome but also there's some really seriously funny moments in upgrade it's yeah playing with the playing with it in a very kind of like fun way it's not being overly serious or, or being auteur cyberpunk film it's a fun action movie if you haven't seen upgrade just watch it yes so uh tuck pendleton i'm gonna have played by tom hardy okay yeah i see it yep the, the like burned out alcoholic but like definitely playing a lot more straight like not not quite as like lovable alcoholic more like this dude's got some serious fucking issues to work through sure. kind of, kind yeah, of yeah, tone yeah. yeah and then uh for jack putter or martin short's character yeah now before i say i have cast this gentleman in basically everything we've ever talked about in the years of doing gui this is one of the few times that i think this is actually like a legitimate i hesitated on using him because i've mentioned him so many times but i think it's actually a legitimately good casting choice for Martin Short's character in a cyberpunk, like kind of darker take version, uh, Jack Putter played by Jay Baruchel. So, <laughs> of course, yes, yeah. So I had to. I don't. I try to avoid casting him for exactly that reason, but I think this is actually genuinely a. He's this lanky, kind of goofy, awkward dude. He would do a good job. Yeah, he would have a lot of fun with that role. He delivers. 
And uh, for Lydia, the girlfriend, uh, Amanda Seyfried. Yes. I could absolutely see her, you know, the strong-willed and independent, but also, like, we're looking enough to really kind of add some something to a cyberpunk movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then for Scrimshaw, the rival lab uh, black market dude, uh, I went hardcore with some Michael Douglas in there. Ooh, nice. It's the really intense, like, intimidating black market you know, technologies, dude. He can bring it. Oh, he, he'd bring the shit out of that. I mean, if, if he channels even the littlest bit of Wall Street, you're going to believe that he wants, like, this technology for his own game. Yeah, I was thinking Wall Street exactly for that reason, yeah. <laughs> now, for Dr. Kanker, I wanted something that kind of screamed a little bit like Lady Goebbels <laughs> with this role. <laughs> a little bit, you know, just, like, really, like, this is a fucked up scientist. This is a scientist that has done some dark and dirty shit that's definitely not part of the Hippocratic Oath. You know, this is okay. really, really dark. And so I wanted a character with like some really strong features, really, really intense presence. And Robin Wright would be able to bring that shit real hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As Dr. Kanker, uh, Cranker. Yeah. However we're yeah, pronouncing definitely. it. Then for Mr. Igor, I can think no better than uh, the star of Upgrade. Was it Logan Marshall Green? Yes. His physical presence in that movie, his ability to play a character whose body is being taken over is incredible. And to be able to play his body both like very loosey-goosey and rigid at the same time, I think would be a lot of fun to have an actor that's familiar with that, also familiar with the director that's directing him, and do that in a kind of cyborg role would be a lot of fun. I dig it. Yeah. And then finally, the cowboy. I love this actor so much, and he would have so much fun in this role would chew every ounce of scenery, would be fucking huge, and honestly would be good in either my serious or my funny on this. One Walton fucking Goggins. Oh, dude, I actually looked at him for, yeah, for the for cowboy. cowboy. Yeah, I mean, it is a little on the nose because he's definitely worn cowboy hats before. Oh, he so, does, yeah. No, uh, he's, a, he's amazing. I love everything he's in. Yeah, he's fantastic, and I think he would just nail it as the cowboy, especially like a cyberpunk version of cowboy, you know, somebody that's like, Retro as fuck, where everybody else is like kind of from the future. I love it. It would be super fun. I want to see that movie. Yeah, no shit. All right, so uh, your your right. go through here. All right, so uh, the director, which will set the tone. Um, like I said, I struggled on the uh, on the comedic one, you know, the non serious one a little bit. I went with Wes Anderson. Wow. And the reason I went with Wes Anderson is he has such a signature style, obviously. And it's basically just sci-fi. That's all he does is just really hardline sci-fi. Wes Anderson. Right. He's known for, <laughs> for his... But the, 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 rela- the writing and the relationships of, the, of, the, of his movies are fucking phenomenal. And his sense of uh, just sort of glee and, and whimsy, fucking amazing. It, it, so you say Wes Anderson... Anybody who knows what Wes Anderson know, knows what the fuck I'm talking about. Oh, sure. So uh, I also went with a little bit of a gender swap situation Okay. Uh, with some of the main characters. So I'm just going to kind of like roll down this list. Sure. Go for it. So uh, Lieutenant Tuck Pendleton becomes Lieutenant Tess Pendleton, played by Zoe Saldana. Oh, nice. Okay. She can bring the fucking serious, like she's hardcore. Um, but she can also act. Sure. She could be a drunk. She could do whatever. Um, she, but she would definitely play that drunk that would drink you under the table in a second. Kind of that, that Marion Ravenwood kind of approach where just like. Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I love her. Oh, she, deeply. she's amazing. Yeah. 
Um, so I'm going to jump to Lydia because again, it's, it's the shift in, in gender. Sure. So instead of Lydia Maxwell, it's Lucas Maxwell, uh, the reporter played by Chris Pratt. So it's basically oh, taking, oh, I love take, it. Oh, taking, I love it so much. Taking their romance from guardians, flipping it in, you know, in main characters, you know, status. And he would play young go getter reporter so well. Oh, he would. Yeah. Yeah. And he could even be, you know, just have a little bit of that wonderment that he had in Parks and Rec. Sure. You know, where, you know, he's just a go-getter and, you know, maybe he's not the brightest reporter in the... But whatever. he still believes in the power of journalism kind yes, of thing. He hasn't exactly. been completely destroyed by it yet. Yeah. You know, he, and he can play goofy too. Um, perfect for a Wes Anderson flick. Sure. Um, going to Jack Putter, um, I went with um, Jason Schwartzman. Now, yes, he's playing a dude... And we've kind of swapped the gender rules, but I can't think of any actor who could play kind of like a bi-curious or a gay character better in that circumstance where, because you remember Jack Putter was attracted to uh, Lydia. Yeah, yeah. In in the movie, and that created a little bit of tension between, you know, Tuck and Jack. So... I love it. If, I love it, if yeah. If he's kind of like... Kind of like interested in coming on to Chris Pratt a little bit. No, and you're like, right about oh. Jason Schwartzman too. Is that he just <laughs> he has an air about him that suggests that almost, you know? know. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. And he's he's a he's a goofy motherfucker. Yeah, oh, it, clearly he, he's great. Yeah, in, in the context of an Anderson picture, he could play like super high, high anxiety. Like he does that well. Mm-hmm. What was that TV show he was on? Uh, for a few years, Jason. Sh- oh, bored to death. Bored to death. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, I mean he. He would handle it. He, sure. He has it. So uh, let's get through this list here. <laughs> All right. So Victor Scrimshaw, uh, the head of the company, got to go with Bill Murray. Uh, yep. Absolutely. When, when you said Wes Anderson, that was one of the first yeah. things I thought I mean, of. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely pulling some like some veteran Wes Anderson actors Sure. Here. But that's part of the fun of this too, is just exactly. how you recast some of your favorite actors from right. stuff into other stuff. And he would, I think he would play it in a more lackadaisical way as opposed to like a really intense way, the way Kevin McCarthy did. But he would play that almost in that like funny dickhead kind of like yes. the, the Venkman kind of where yes. it wouldn't be so much like intimidating so much as like, Oh, got to kill him now. We're going to take this technology. Yeah. We're going to make a billion dollars and I don't care what happens to anybody in the middle? Like Bill Murray Scrooged, kind of. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that executive sort of, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Dr. Margaret Cranker. I went with Kate Blanchett. Okay. You know, uh, she was in Life Aquatic. She can do no wrong. Yep. Like, she can act anything. Yep. So, but she definitely understands the the Wes Anderson aesthetic. Uh, let's see. Mr. Ego. Dave Batista. I wanted to go with a big dude. Oh, and I really want to see him in a Wes Anderson film now. I, I never thought know. about him. He would be amazing in a Wes Anderson film. But the most impressed that I've ever been with someone that has come out of wrestling outside of The Rock is him. Because, Blade Runner 2049. Because he can bring the drama. Mm-hmm. He can bring the comedy. Absolutely. Like he legit delivered in both Guardians movies. Yep. So hard. Hilarious. And well, he can he can be zany. But he can also bring the gravity. But also that carryover from Guardians too, with this character with uh, with Mister uh, Ego is uh, playing it straight. You know that whole yeah. like just being really serious in the role and still being funny by being serious in it. He would. I mean, that's what Batista's really good at from the right. Guardians movies. Exactly. Like the whole sequence in uh, Infinity War where he's standing still and he's like, 
I'm invisible. <laughs> you know, it's just like, my, I move so slow. It's fucking hilarious. So yeah, he, he's my Mr. Ego. And then, uh, for the cowboy, I had to go with Jeff Goldblum. Oh my God. Because can we just have a two hour movie of him playing the cowboy from inner space? And then I'm good. I, I would watch that. Or just that is one of the bonus features. It's just a separate disc of him just talking for like several hours as yeah. the cowboy. I would put it on repeat. Yeah. And just fucking have fun. <laughs> That's amazing. That'd yeah. be so much fun. But, you know, he, so because obviously Jeff Goldblum's style is, is, is not super loud, but he, he has, he Goldblum's, he does his own thing. Yeah. Kind of like Christopher Walken does his own thing. It's so recognizable. And he would just be fucking hilarious. Imagine Jeff Goldblum going to like a club, like the club scene in inner space where he's just like, yeah, this is great guys. You know, and he's just <laughs> doing his thing and, and just fucking owning it. So yeah, that, that's my, that's my funny Wes Anderson gender swap, blah, blah, blah. That is fantastic. I love it. The Wes Anderson's inner space. That is phenomenal. I would have to call it the space between us. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Because, you know, Wes Anderson. Yeah, clearly. But yeah. All right. So we're at the uh, mashup part of yes. this uh, conversation here. Now, one of the things that I was thinking right off the bat is like the shrinking and stuff. You'd mentioned Ant-Man, which is an easy uh, carryover. Oh, it's yeah. the same technology, basically. You could play it that way. Yeah. You could have, um, you know, a rival labs working on the same technologies kind of conversation. Yep. One of it being Ant-Man. Another one I was thinking of that would be super fun is uh, the technology was originally developed by a scientist in his house uh, when he had a mishap with his kids. Fuck you. Was that one of yours? Yeah. I mean, come on. It's, it's kind of a no-brainer that Honey, I Shrunk the Kids would be a great team up with Space. It would be fucking amazing. Yeah. And it's one of those things, like, as a kid, you think about these two different movies, and it's what you would put in your head. Like, now, why don't they make a movie together? This is where I maybe went a little different from you on the honey i shrunk the kids because i'm adding a third movie in there oh you take inner space you take honey i shrunk the kids with the guy that developed the initial technology coming back and trying to save the day uh doing poorly and his kids end up taking over you add in explorers <laughs> oh man. but instead of going to space they go into interspace in their junky space contraption ship i think i might die from the ejaculation <laughs> that I would have of the mashup of those three movies. And also Explorers being directed by Joe Dante in the first place. It's right. two Joe Dante films that are being compar- uh, compiled together. Oh so. my god. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. So I would watch the fuck out of that. <laughs> yeah. Imagine there's going through red blood cells like in their ship made out of like an old carnival ride and yeah. television screens. And like Yeah, television screens and trash cans. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow it's space worthy. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> oh my god! No, that's great. Uh, yeah, no. So, honey, I shrunk the kids was one of mine. I was just like, duh. Yeah. Um, but I actually went with just like a a snapshot, terrible idea that I'm just going to mention, and we don't really have to go into it. <laughs> okay. But the human centipede being miniaturized. Oh Jesus! No, I took which me a minute. person are you in? Oh God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. I just thought of that. I was like... That's more for like the third interspace movie. If they do sequels, <laughs> and each one they just add another human body attached. Or it could just be like a giant orgy or something like that. It's like, whoa, who the fuck am I in now? And then you can have a, a nice like conversation about like sexually transmitted 
people inside spaceships <laughs> go between people. Yeah, I guess, you know, if you didn't want to go gross with the human centipede, you can go with like a, you know, eyes wide shut, the big orgy scene there. And then like, who knows where you end up? You end up in a senator. You know, you, you jump ship like 15 times in one night. I'm going to incorporate uh, inner space with Malice. <laughs> starring Alec Baldwin where <laughs> his whole reason for, for his surgeries uh, unreasonable surgeries is because he's trying to get the dude out of the other dude oh <laughs> we are stupid people. yes we are incredibly stupid people <laughs> speaking of incredibly stupid that is the segment we're up to now is that we are at the point of doing our trailers oh we are at the God, very end yes. here so I'm going to cue up the music and uh, be prepared for ultimate stupidity stupidity at maximum level. Indeed. Yeah. Ludicrous stupidity. Ludicrous speed. Yes, absolutely. So here we go. From the mind of Panos Cosmos, director of Mandy and Beyond the Black Rainbow, comes a new vision of inner space. Starring Vince Vaughn as Lieutenant Tuck Pendleton. Miniaturized in a secret government experiment and mistakenly placed into the body of Jack Potter, played by Elijah Wood. Tuck Pendleton is a distressed man. He's a drunk. He has an on and off relationship with Rachel Weiss, playing Lydia. Meanwhile, an evil corporation headed by Donald Sutherland as Victor Scrimshaw plans to steal this technology with Dr. Margaret Cranker, played by Tilda Swinton, and the thug, his henchman, Mr. Ego, played by Andrei Ivchenko. Together, they are conspiring with the cowboy played by Nicolas Cage of Mandy fame. The movie will go off the rails <laughs> this summer. Inner space. Space, space, space. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I swear, like, that that's our thing that is really hard to escape here on uh, Smack My Pitch Up, is it introducing Nicolas Cage whenever possible. <laughs> yeah, I know. And one thing that we haven't done is introduce the Stranger Things kids. We still incorporated Stranger Things uh, on both of ours, actually. But... I know. <laughs> Dude, it's such in our brains right now. Well, and I will make mention that the next Geeks Under the Influence episode that drops after the, after the Smack My Pitch Up next week is going to be our Stranger Things Season 3 spoiler-heavy uh, episode that you're also on as well. Oh my god, I can't wait. I want to wax poetic on that shit so hard. We're recording that the day after we record this episode here. So I, we're both just juiced to talk about season three because it, it personally blew me away. I got so many feelings. So many feelings. So definitely check that out uh, next week on the Geeks Under the Influence feed. We should probably get that going here. All righty. In the not-too-distant future, rival laboratories control the building technologies that will shape mankind 
in one small city in what remains California. It is up to one burned out fighter pilot to navigate his way through Jay Baruchel. <laughs> this summer, join Tom Hardy as Lieutenant Tuck Pendleton as he takes a fantastic voyage into the heart of science and Jay Baruchel. Jack Putter, played by Mr. Baruchel, teams up with Lydia Maxwell, played by Amanda Seyfried, as they fight against the evil corporations hell-bent on stealing the technology that could shape uh, medical and, and industrial sciences for the foreseeable human future. Scrimshaw, played by Michael Douglas, a ruthless black market traitor of technologies, teams up with his scientist henchman, Dr. Cranker, played by Robin Wright, and evil cyborg henchman, Mr. Ego, played by uh, upgrades Logan Marshall Green, as they try to get technology to the cowboy, played by Walter Goggins. This summer, revolutionary things come in small packages. <laughs> Lee Winnell's Inner Space. Perfection. Yay. <laughs> not my best, definitely not my worst. So I'll, hey, I'll you know, fucking take it. Hey, this tire fire is just funny. <laughs> That's really what we bank on here on the GUI network is just funny yep. tire fires, the kinds you can laugh at. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for sure. Uh, I want to thank everybody that listened to this episode of Smack My Pitch Up. Uh, we are definitely getting on a regular schedule now. So I, I deeply appreciate that. We've, had a lot of work to be done on getting the network where we wanted it to be. And uh, we've got a lot more stuff coming in the near future on the Geeks Under the Influence Network. More shows, uh, more announcement on events in town. We are just getting started. We only have eight shows right now on the network. Only eight? Uh, we have a few more, uh, more than a few planned in the near future. So yes, got some big announcements coming up. The announcements we have right now is the next episode of Booze Clues is going to be recorded again at the Dark Room in downtown Richmond in Scott's Edition in the Hofheimer building. It's the second floor of the Hofheimer building. You know that great building with the, the beer garden on the roof? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right there? Yeah, the second floor is where we do our booze clues. And August 4th is our next one. Doors are at 7. Show starts at 8. It's a Sunday. We've had great turnouts. The shows are just getting bigger and bigger. We're getting a decent-sized crowd there now. Nice, And uh, everybody that's come, we've had people just pop in from upstairs as they're walking past and stay for the entire show because they've had so much fun with it. So it's it's turning out to be a thing. And you should definitely join us. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I really want to. I've just the worst goddamn luck with work yeah. schedules and whatnot. Oh, like, absolutely. Um, you know. I understand. I need to get you on one of these, too, because yes. they're so much fun. It's just investigating quote unquote the most spirited headlines from the previous month. So all those weird stories that you read about people doing dumb stuff after they've had a few, uh, those best stories of the month are the ones that we tend to, uh, so-called investigate. Yeah. Figure out how that shit happened. Exactly. And it's a, uh, it's a riftastic time. It's so much fun. Check out the three episodes that we already have dropped. We have the fourth episode that should be dropping, uh, about a week from this episode dropping here. So oh my God, I'm very excited about that one too. The, the, last story on the last episode was like tear jerkingly funny. <laughs> so much fun. Join GYpodcast.com. Follow that for 
links to all the different shows in the network uh, to get your RSS feeds or Apple podcast links. All that stuff is available there. Information on future events that we're doing. Also, we have until the 21st for you to vote for Geeks Under the Influence as the best podcast in Richmond by the Richmond Times-Dispatch. So there is a link on the homepage of GUIPodcast.com. That's the easiest way to go. It'll bring you right to the place where you vote for the podcasts and you can vote once a day. So if you want to support us, that is the best way to do it. This not only allows people that maybe have not been familiarized with Geeks Under the Influence to get familiar with it. If we placed second place overall last year, we were the top voted pop culture geek podcast in Richmond, Virginia. Fuck you. So we're, we're excited just to be nominated. But if we get number one, that's going to help us significantly with getting sponsors and, and getting our brand out there for other people to recognize. And the more people listening, the more chance we have of getting better equipment and getting more regular episodes and getting more shows on the network. So it deeply helps. So yeah, even a couple votes for you to throw in helps a lot. We deeply appreciate it. If you like what we do, vote. Yeah, that's all you got to do. Take just a few seconds out of your day. So we appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate you listening. And we'll see you next week for another episode of Smack My Pitch Up. I am Mike the Hobbit. And as always, you just got pitched now. GUIPodcast.com. Thank mm-hmm. you.